Welcome to Rise from the Ashes. Our podcast looks at various issues for families. We'll be talking with attorneys about personal and legal concerns having to do with divorce, custody, and parenting time. There are also a few topics about letting go, moving on, and new beginnings. Please keep in mind this podcast is only to inform and help to understand legal and personal issues as they relate to family law. It should not be considered as a replacement for a qualified family law attorney. When in doubt, please contact a professional. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters. Hi, and welcome to our podcast, Rise from the Ashes. I'm David Braddock, and I'll be the host for the podcast. We're talking today with Susan Mundahl, who is the senior attorney at Mundahl Law. How are you doing, Susan? I'm great, David. Today's subject might be a little bit tricky. We're talking about modification, and it seems like there might be some confusion between modifying parenting time and modifying custody. I guess we're here to kind of clear that up, huh, Susan? That's right. So people call in and they say, I want a modification of custody. That, to me, means they're talking about Minnesota Statute 518.18, when what they really want to do is just change the parenting schedule. And that second statute is 518.175. So I want folks to understand that there is a difference between the two statutes, It really makes a difference because there's a different standard of review and burden of evidence and those kind of things involved in each of those. And we do go into those in various blogs, but I just wanted to give sort of a bird's eye view today of the differences between a modification of custody action versus a modification of parenting time. Let's just back up a little bit. With respect to custody, what do you think that they're thinking that they're asking you when they want to modify custody from their point of view? Where's their confusion coming in? The interesting thing is these are folks who are divorced who are trying to figure out how to coordinate time between both parents. Oftentimes we see this when one side or the or both sides now get in new relationships. And now you have a further complication because in the new relationship, there may be children from that marriage. And now you're talking about, we want to see all the kids together or we want to see them separately. It really is talking about how do we reapportion a parenting plan so they get time with each parent and being able to do the special things that are important, often in the new family system. That's just basically adjusting a parenting schedule. People wrongly think about custody as really meaning something more than what it is, because the courts basically assume that both parents should share legal custody, which is the decision-making ability. And for most folks, the courts recognize that you're going to do what's in the best interest of your kids in terms of making sure they get to school and that they get proper medical care and that their religious needs are met. And that's all legal custody. And physical custody, in most cases, we don't even designate who has physical custody because the courts take it that when the children are with you, you're going to be making the primary decisions for them. And when the children are with the other parent, they're going to be making those decisions on a day-to-day basis. So that, again, is better handled as parenting time as opposed to custody. The reason is 
way back before 2008, we used to designate whoever had custody got child support, and then they changed the child support statute so that that's no longer important. It is all based on what amount of parenting time determines the amount of child support. What is the standard then for a change in custody? What would that entail exactly? Well, that's very specific in the statute. Again, it's Minnesota Statute 518.18. And the reason I give that to you is any of you can just Google MinStat 518.18, and it's going to give you the statutory site so you can read this yourself. But in essence, there's four ways you can bring a modification to custody. One, the parties can agree to the change. Two, if the child has been integrated into the home of the parent seeking the change, with the permission of the other parent. I've gone into length about these things, but it is basically an evidentiary one. Say a 14-year-old boy, he's been at mom's and mom kicks him out and says, go live with your dad. And so the boy does and dad buys him a dog and enrolls him in school. It's a fact situation. Then the one that's most used for modification of custody, though, is the endangerment statute. And when folks are coming to me and they want to change parenting time, They're not talking about endangerment. Endangerment, that standard is that the child's present environment endangers the child's physical or emotional health or damages the child's emotional development, and that the harm likely to be caused is going to be alleviated by the change to the other parent. In other words, it's a two-pronged step. And it is very complicated, and there is a whole complicated process that I discuss in other blogs, so I won't go into here, just to say that you can't do it just because the kids aren't getting their toenails clipped, or they're not getting haircuts, or they're coming home with dirty faces. Those seem like a lot of the type of emotional responses that the alternate parent might have in complaint about the parent that they would like to make the change from. That's exactly right. And I'm telling you things that I have heard. This is folks who come in, and that is not a basis for a change of custody. You are literally talking children who are being beaten or sexually abused. So real dire circumstances are the types of things that are recognized by the court as being able to make those appropriate changes. That's right. I mean, I did have one case where the children had been in literally 11 different schools in a 12-month period of time, and that did rise to the level of endangerment because the children were basically not able to get a decent education because they kept moving them so much. But again, that fell under emotional development of the child. I see. That's part of this complex process of questions that I'm sure the court would like to have answered before they consider any kind of a permanent change. That's right. Basically, the bottom line is it has to be really serious. And then the final way that the courts will consider it is if one parent has persistently and willfully denied or interfered with the other parent's parenting time. So you have a situation where, say, one parent goes and refuses to allow the other parent to have any parenting time. Again, it is a fact situation on how much is persistent and willful, but generally if you have six months of them refusing any parenting time, that would be grounds for a change of custody, so long as the change is going to be more beneficial than harmful to the child. The point I'm making on all of these change of custody is that it is dire, significant change of circumstances. 
it is not the situation where, well, this just isn't convenient for us anymore because of our new family situation. Now we're looking at the other, which is a modification of parenting time. As you say, we've arrived at parenting time. What is a typical reason that a person would want to bring a modification of parenting time? Maybe you could follow that up with what that process might entail. Sure. Well, the statute that's involved is Minnesota Statute 518.175, and that is what looks at the best interest. What's in the best interest of the child? I hear it all the time. There still has to be a significant change of circumstances. It's like if you want to just add one additional overnight, I don't know how likely the courts would be to add that. But again, if you just want to add one additional overnight, then maybe you just do it in mediation. And certainly the whole process is set up so that if you have an issue about parenting time and wanting to change the schedule, your first step always should be ask for mediation. Ask to meet with a neutral, agree to pay your half of the cost of that mediation, and see if you can work out an arrangement there. Second, you should not be motivated simply because you want to lower your child support obligation. That's unfair, and it is not necessarily in your children's best interest. If it is that you're changing your work schedule so that one day is better than another, then in the best situations, you talk to each other and you simply change it. But we're seeing a lot of these modifying parenting time because really they just want to lower their child support. And that gets very frustrating and the courts don't like it. But a realistic reason is, again, what I talked about, you have a new blended family. And so you want to change days and one party wants to be inflexible. That's basically the reason that we look to mediation first. Can we work out an agreement? And if you can't do it in mediation, then you can bring a motion and you can request assistance from the court. But I will also tell you that the courts are going to do what's in the best interest of the kids, not necessarily what's convenient for the parents. So even though they bring it and they have very good reason for making these changes based upon a new family or whatever the circumstances might be, they might not necessarily be satisfied with what the court comes up with. That's right. The bottom line is, is it's expensive to bring any action before the court. You're talking about always, in every case, a few thousand dollars, even if you want to bring it yourself in in lost time and in court costs and such. The best cases, I think, are when these changes come up, if parties have been dealing with each other respectfully in the past and if they've shown a flexibility to make changes, then that's the best place to do it is on the family level. And the older the children are, there should be including them in the discussion. And especially when I talk about the older kids, think about what are the kids' social schedules? Because we also have to look at what are the developmental needs of these soon-to-be adults. They need to be getting in these social situations with their peers much more than they need to be spending time at dads or moms because they're going to have lives after their childhood. And so this is where they're starting to establish those foundations of those ongoing relationships that will carry them into their regular adult life. And maybe for the rest of their life. 
I mean, those of us that are lucky enough to still have some childhood friends in our life, now that we're even in our 60s, are very fortunate indeed. And I do think that with all this jockeying back and forth between parents who are demanding their rights, spend time with the kids, that they're forgetting that these children also need to be developing these social relationships with peers who are going to be their future best friends. That needs to be a consideration at mediation and what's in the kids' best interests. Well, I like the way that you're saying that the older that a child is, they should be included in these discussions about their time and the things that they need to do in their life and how that can be included in a parenting time schedule. But you mentioned this confusion about someone thinking that they may be able to add an overnight and perhaps pay less child support. Can you explain that a little bit for us, Susan? Maybe we can close with that. Sure. So it used to be, it was a couple years ago now, there was a change in the statute. Before that, we had what were called cliffs. And so every obligor wanted to get the cliff of having between 45 and 50% parenting time. And a lot of them were up to like 43%, and they wanted that additional overnight to kick it up so that their child support would be reduced significantly, that they would have to pay the other parent. So you say used to be, so that's the old system. Right. I think the law changed in 2018. Now, don't quote me on it, but it's current law. Okay. That now we look at every single overnight, and the legislature has created a schedule based on the exact number of overnights that you have the kids or averaged over a two-year period. Okay. And so what folks, usually obligors, don't realize is that by adding just one overnight now, it's not going to change the child support that much. And that maybe if that's their primary motivation, rather than screwing up everyone's current schedules that parties have worked out, usually by a few years past the divorce. So rather than screwing it up, at least do the calculation. Go on the Minnesota Child Support Guidelines website and do a worksheet to see exactly how much of a change it would be. And if it's not that big a deal, then leave it alone. Or if it is truly that it is a change, then hopefully you can talk to the other parent and there's the flexibility. And in the end, if you do go before a judge and you bring your appropriate motion, a judge will simply make that decision. But I think most folks, I had one woman who called it the $5,000 overnight because that's what it cost because they literally were arguing about one overnight a month. So the legal costs of just being able to litigate this change ended up costing approximately $5,000. In her case, yes. Oh, my. And that's not unusual. So I strongly urge you to, number one, if you aren't making any modifications now, make sure you are equally flexible. And if someone says, hey, grandma's coming to town, can I have an extra overnight? Go, sure. And the more the two of you can do that, the better off your children are. And the better off the court system is in not having to deal with those minute issues. Anything more you'd like to say about this topic? Custody and or parenting time modification? Yeah, just use common sense. Life changes, and the best thing you can do is understand that if you don't see your kids this week, you'll see them next week, and that hopefully what you can do is develop decent relationships with the ex-spouse so that the kids 
are affected as little as possible in this going back and forth. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you, David. You are listening to Rise from the Ashes, the podcast channel that takes a careful look at all things having to do with legal procedure within the family law process. Rise from the Ashes is sponsored by Mundal Law, who specializes in assisting families and individuals through the legal process with respect, dignity, and caring. Mundal Law is dedicated to helping people to solve their legal problems. You can visit the Mundal Law website at mundallaw.com or call to schedule a consultation with one of their qualified family law attorneys. Rise from the ashes, focusing on matters of the family, because family matters.